Hey there, and good afternoon. This is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, coming to you with another Bible study. And our subject today is, Why Has Jesus Not Come Back? And I'm going to cover just some of the reasons. It's important to know I'm not covering them all. First place, his return is promised. Angels promised Jesus' return right after his ascension in Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> and it reads like this. It says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. <clears throat> now, they didn't say when. And, of course, every true Christian has been waiting. Jesus' return is in God's plan. It's all set up exactly as to time, date, and circumstances. But the thing is, folks, it's not revealed to you and me. In Acts chapter 1, verse 7, Jesus said to his disciples, it's not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has put in, in his own authority. And the disciples had just asked the question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus basically says, I'm not telling you when. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus also makes clear that nobody knows that day or hour and the reasons. <clears throat> but of that day and hour, Jesus says, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And so I, I draw the following conclusion from that. God meant for us not know, so that we will always watch for the Lord's return. And additionally, therefore, everyone who sets a date also sets himself against the will of God who said, you're not going to know. Now, here is what we can know, because God has revealed it. God has programmed the future, and some things must happen before Jesus returns. Number one, there will be an unprecedented increase in troubled times. Matthew 24 says this, Take heed that no one deceives you. And by the way, that's a very important statement. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, 
and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginning of sorrows. And we're seeing all of those today. People have seen them throughout history, but they are increasing at a rapid rate these days. The second thing that happens is there will be a huge increase in persecution. In Matthew 24, again, he says, then, that is after the beginning of sorrows, or during the beginning of sorrows, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And then as a final statement, he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end then the end will come. Coupled with this increase in persecution will be an increase in evangelism with preaching that touches everyone in the world. And finally, we see in the book of Revelation that an angel flies through midheaven announcing the gospel because I assume, and I could be wrong, that men don't have the ability to act anymore, to speak anymore. Now, this leads to one of the main reasons Jesus has not yet returned. And it's, it's given to us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where Peter says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, that's you and me, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So you and I are one of the reasons he's waited so that we have, would have a chance both at life and at everlasting life. And I think God has waited this long so that the maximum number of people would have and take the opportunity to turn to the Lord and receive everlasting life. God wants people in his heaven. He wants them with him. He's provided for that through his son, Jesus Christ. You and I are the reason he waits and then the next reason is this, evil is not fully exposed yet. I know many of you will find that hard to believe, but it's a fact. What is the world coming to, we ask? Well, all will be revealed as God's plan matures, especially what mankind will do when there is no restraint. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. We ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, that's the apostasy of the visible church, that is, apparent reject Christians reject Christ. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, 
the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he himself sets his God in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God or showing himself that he is God. And there are several th important things to note here. Number one, there will be a falling away. People who profess to be Christians will desert him. And they can do so practically by adhering to a lifestyle that is ungodly and practically rejecting Jesus Christ. They can do so theologically by saying, no, we don't believe this anymore. There will also be a revelation of the Antichrist, that is the man of sin, who seeks to replace God. This is also spoken of by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, where it says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. In other words, this is when the Antichrist appears and takes his arrogant attitude into the temple of God and says, I am your God. So here's a continuation of the evil not being fully exposed. Now, there have been many times of falling away, folks, in the past, just as there have been many times of persecution, tribulation, and terrible things. This coming time is unique in that it is no mystery what's happening, and people become solidified in their decision. Multitudes of people knowing full well what it means, choose to worship the Antichrist, the embodiment of Satan. They do so of their own free will. Now, of course, they are deceived. They're completely deluded, and they're completely wrong. This is where the book of Revelation becomes so important, and where we see the stark contrast between good and evil. Good, as represented by God and his Son, and believers in Jesus Christ, evil as embodied the Antichrist and the devil who empowers him and his worshipers. People choose, folks. They choose evil or good, and they know. This is the thing that strikes me so much when I read the book of Revelation. This is perhaps the most important thing. They know better. Here are some examples, by the way, from the book of Revelation. In the sixth seal, the final statement is this, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? These people know. They understand what they're doing, but they do it anyway. And so, as I wrote earlier, they know. So what do they do? They hide. There's no repentance here. And this is fairly early in the book of Revelation, which I do believe to be roughly chronological. And people know that God's judgment is coming, but there's no repentance. Revelation chapter 9, basically the same thing. 
There are terrible judgments in Revelation chapter 9. And it concludes with the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or their thefts. Now these plagues that John mentions are truly horrible and they affect the world at large. However, it's early days and the Antichrist is not yet arisen. So the worst is yet to come. And this is part of the beginning of sorrows. It's not even the great tribulation yet, which begins in Revelation chapter 13. What does this mean for you and me? Well, Jesus is coming back and things are on schedule. You and I have to set our faces as flint and harden up, folks. There will be persecution, and some of us will be involved. Endurance is required. We all must be aware that most of the world around us will not repent, even though the realities are obvious. Just as people reject creation, so they will reject God and judgment as if there is no judge. Some of the rejectors, folks, and listen carefully to me, will be people you love. A man's enemy shall be they of his own household, said Jesus. And in those days, the only allegiance that matters will be to Jesus Christ. Being a follower of Jesus can get you tortured and killed, but we must be loyal to him and him alone. Before those days and during those days, we must expect evil and stand away from it as much as we can. People will reject God and his son, Jesus Christ, and they will worship the beast. And authority was given to him, it says in Revelation 13. That is the beast, the Antichrist, over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Folks, it is more important than ever that you receive Jesus Christ and that you get your name written in that book of life. It is an easy thing to do. You just say, Lord Jesus, I want to be your follower. I want to follow you. I believe in you. I love you. I want to have salvation because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So here are some ad admonitions for today. Pay attention to the direction of our culture. I just watched an absolutely chilling video on YouTube, and this one is only about a minute long, talking about how the Grammys were conducted and how the entertainment went. This is what we can expect unless God grants us another time of revival. And I would say to you, pray for revival every day. It is more important than ever to remain faithful to the Lord and to his word. There will be more and more temptation to leave him. Don't do it. Get and maintain control of your children's education and upbringing 
it is more essential than ever before, no matter what sacrifice you must make. Have one parent in the home who can take care of the kids and give them proper instruction all the time. Do not trust quote-unquote Christian leaders who minimize the evil we face or who go along with it. It's not a topic to discuss in every message, but your true leaders must be, must be willing to acknowledge the evil and what it is and share about it. The Lord is the absolute opposite of many things some leaders stand for. And I say that with sadness, folks, because so many of the Christian leaders, so-called Christian leaders we have today, are busy denying the very things the Bible teaches. Follow Jesus Christ, not those leaders. Final words. Please study Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, but Matthew 24 is the key. Jesus' sermon gives the superstructure for the future. Study the book of Revelation and know that it parallels Matthew 24. Revelation is essentially chronological. It begins with the church, the first three chapters. It moves to the tribulation, chapters 7 through about 11. And then the great tribulation after the Antichrist arises and concludes with the return of the Lord is 1,000-year earthly reign, and then finally, the last judgment and eternity, where we will live with him forever. And then my final word is this, Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and they also who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail because of him. But folks, we won't. We want him to come back. And so I say with John, the apostle of old, even so, come, Lord Jesus, come soon. Come soon. God bless you all. We will talk again soon.